continue with what you were saying something that wasn't an insult. Go ahead. Uh, no, no, I don't think I was <laughs> <laughs> such a jerk. Recorded live from the basement of the ivory tower. Welcome back to the refactored podcast, the show where we try and help ourselves and you suck just a little bit less each and every day. My name is Frank Cole. And my name is Chris Tonkinson. And this is episode 9090, recorded on November 29th, 2022. Crypto collapse. Oh, see, I was going to... Bitcoin is dead. I... Right? <laughs> I actually thought... I, I was like, okay, he's going to start with some news. All right, I, we could talk about this FTX thing. I don't know if, okay. I, I, if there's I, much interest there. But. Just I am... I am coming in super hot on this one for a couple of reasons. I'm very mm. triggered with this whole ordeal. And, okay. and here, let me let me let me tell you why. Right, well, um, but before we do, before we do, for anyone who hasn't caught up on past episodes, Chris is our resident uh, crypto expert and uh, crypto bull. He, he big time proponent. Um, I am purchasing crypto and generally supporting it, but I'm also I'm in a much more wait and see. This could go somewhere. Or it could bomb entirely. I'm not totally convinced, but I know that you are like, no, this yeah. is in, it's going to happen. We don't know where it's going to go yet. But anyway, so just wanted to lay that yeah. groundwork for anyone who didn't know. So no, no, ahead. it's true. And you know what? I think from time to time, we have to take a step back and be like, oh, by the way, on this show, this is how we think about things. Because I think, um, I don't think, I know that we are now 90 episodes in. You gotta, and yeah, you got to catch people up. Yeah. Because yeah, we got nobody's going to watch that. new listeners. Nobody's right, going to watch right. that back catalog. No, no necessarily yeah, want not them to but you know yeah right like don't please mm. don't go there um we could just we could just mysteriously make the episodes that suck come up as 404s oh I, what right. oh, happened to the audio like, file i don't know i don't know so so ftx club for anybody that's not that's not in in like been been watching this ftx was a crypto exchange now already full like already we got to stop because chris is pissed off about something okay. they are not exchanges they are broker dealers. So if you know anything about finance or the securities industry or the equities markets, these are not exchanges. They are broker dealers. They hold your funds, they hold your assets, and then they trade with other entities on the back. And the reason they use the word exchange is A, because most people don't know what a broker dealer is, and B, you are exchanging your fiat for crypto. And so they're leaning on that. And they're also trying frankly, to paper over the fact that they are introducing themselves as a middleman in a decentralized environment mm-hmm. that they don't want you to realize that that's actually what's happening. So not your keys, not your crypto. There's my, you know, warning for the day. Mm-hmm. FTX collapses and everybody is asking you, the, you look at the, the crummy corporate media, you look at uh, even, even pot. So I like, um, uh, Odd Lots. I, I think that might have been a pick in the past. Odd Lots is a, a pretty decent podcast um, uh, around everything kind of financial markets. Um, and uh, articles, everybody's, oh, is this the end for crypto? First of all, y'all, like we were around for Mt. Gox. This is not the end of crypto. That is hype and FUD and nonsense. This is a market correction because the cleansing fire needs to take some of the crap out of the equation. That's exactly what this is. But this is not the thing that's got me all fired up today. This is not a failure of crypto. Everybody keeps, and there's, I know there's an ulterior motive here, and I haven't quite dug into exactly what it is yet other than just protecting the status quo. 
There is no question about whether or not this is a failure of crypto. This is a failure of human trust and centralized monetary systems. Because what failed here was not Bitcoin. What failed here was not Ethereum. What failed here was that one trust me bro started a centralized company, defrauded its customers and investors, and then the whole thing imploded when a bank run came due. When a bank run came around, because oh, guess what? We re-implemented fractional reserve banking on top of a protocol that doesn't require that kind of nonsense and and fraud vectorization. So. I am super like this whole thing is for me, I'm sitting here with my popcorn, right? Like I own, you know, it's my keys. It's my crypto. Uh, I, th- there are lots of people that invested not for the technology, but as a f- speculative financial instrument. And I think that's where you're going to see regulation come down. You're going to see regulators come in and do their thing and ruin the industry because, oh, crypto failed us. When in reality, it's the same types of confidence man fraud that we have seen since money has existed um but this is super high profile and and contagion is real so if you this is my public service announcement if you have uh if you have assets on a quote exchange unquote get them off now today before the uh, block was another one that just went down the other day and it was a contagion effect um when everybody at the time a couple of weeks ago when ftx first started to pop off no, oh, there's no risk of contagion here. No, it couldn't happen. No, it's not possible. It bristle your mustache, right? And then, you know, here we are. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm still, I, I think Binance could go down. They're, they're, well, they they're kind Chinese. of orchestrated the whole thing. That Well, CZ, like they, they, they kind of triggered the whole thing. Um, but all of this stuff, there was another thing that came out yesterday about Binance, uh, their, their proof, of, uh, proof of reserves. They said, okay, our proof of reserves is a 10% requirement. And it's what we have on chain is 10% of what our what our member balances state they are. That is fractional reserve. Satoshi Nakamoto, God rest his soul, is is spinning in his grave right now because we re-implemented the exact thing that he sought out to obviate. On it's to me, it's it's very obvious what's going on here fraudsters gonna fraud and the bill came due that's really like that's all that happened now if you want to dig into the ftx stuff specifically super interesting what they did um because it's just bald-faced fraud it's just i i I don't know how else to describe to be honest i don't know how there's some well oh well you know did did sam bank fraud start out to be um you know, did he start out to be, you know, altruistic and, and then and then the market changed and that caused him to make bad decisions, you know, or did he just start out to defraud? I think that's again, it's not crypto that failed. It's it's the fiat system. It's centralized monetary policy and fiscal policy. It's human trust like th- th- these things exist because you don't with with Bitcoin, you no longer have to trust people with money. Doesn't require trust. Right. And what we did, what is the result? Where is the failure mode of all of this? At the end of the day, it was trust. And so you like you introduced a failure prone dynamic on top of a system that didn't require it. And then that thing failed. And now we're questioning whether the underlying substrate is healthy. It's like, bruh, like <laughs> I got no concerns here. Mm. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't want to go off. I don't want to make the whole episode like FTX and Bitcoin because it's all up in the news and stuff. But uh, if you got anything on any exchange, get it off. That would be my my advice. 
I have and some, I'm not I'm not mad by the way. Sorry to cut you off there. I'm not okay. mad by the way if somebody wants to use these as financial speculations. As long as you have the discipline to keep yourself an arm's length from financial ruin, because that's what hap- often happens when you f- when you engage in financial speculation on wildly volatile assets. That's I'm not mad at people that just want just see a quick buck. That's fine. Um, but it becomes obvious to those of us who are here for the technology that. Uh, there's a whole class of people that are sadly going to wind up losing a ton of money uh, mm-hmm. because they they bought into the idea that we just reinvented it's fake money and you can get rich and they didn't have that level of discipline or didn't understand why leaving their keys on the leaving their their you know coin on the exchange was problematic. Um, so it's really sad, but but kind of interesting. Like this will be the second. This is Mt. Gox 2.0, except it's just not one company going down. There's others that are going to get taken with it. Hmm. So, um, so what? I uh, I use Coinbase to for for my purchasing, and I do have the money just kind of sitting there. It's not a lot of money, so I'm not going to be you know completely hosed if anything happens. Again, right. I'm kind of I've always been big on diversification. Um, I wouldn't want to see it go anywhere, but it's also not going to you know destroy me right. at the end of the day. It's it's more of a speculative if this goes big then you know maybe i cash out and yeah. make some make some good coin on it um yeah. so uh so i don't have it sitting in a wallet um i know about wallets why don't you talk a little bit about like like where like how do you have yourself set up like you've you've yeah that's like, fair that's like fair. what do you use what do you use to hold your wallet like because i know it's i know it that's right is not you- a, yeah, you Dang, don't want to turn but, this into a, a Reddit thread where everybody's like, "Oh, not your keys, not your crypto," and then doesn't offer any actual like advice on. Well, just how explain to, very concretely, you know. like what it is. Yeah. Okay, you take it off the exchange. Yeah. Well, okay, so how do you do it? So what is? How does that work? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Because the exchange, right? So the the wallet we use the term wallet, um, and a lot of people in the last couple of years have been fighting about that terminology because um, the the actual cryptocurrency like the the balance doesn't exist inside of the wallet that's not what the wallet is we use that term as a form of verbal skeuomorphism uh the wallet is really just the private keys that are authorized to sign transactions the 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 account balance lives on the blockchain that is mm-hmm. the ledger so the, the the account balance is just globally distributed the the wallet as such is really just the keys that have the authority to transact out of that wall, out of that that account balance, um, and so what happens when? And I had a I had a family member. They uh, they yoloed some BTC uh, some time ago, and I said at the time, "Oh, hey, you know, here are some wallets, cold wallets. Here's here's what you want to do. You know, it was a it was a, a not inconsequential sum of money, um, and so I said you don't you don't want to leave that on the exchange because it's risky. And here's what you do. And then FTX blew up, and I went I'd reach back out and I said, "Hey, by the way, did you move?" that stuff because like you should um oh no i you know i didn't and and they were they were over here that week uh you know trying to get their coins off which is good it's just great and i was happy to help um but there was confusion like oh well i have coinbase on my phone they were using coinbase so i have coinbase on my phone Mm -hmm. and i use the exchange and i can see it in both places so if it's on my phone is it safe it's like well no because there's coinbase app and then the coinbase wallet app and you can't like you know one is one is is uh one is a, a non-custodial key store mm-hmm. and the other is just an app that uh, accesses your exchange account so like walking that through was, you know there was some education that had to be done 
Um, but you know, there are a ton of good wallets, um, mobile and, and desktop sidebar. Can you give me a, can you throw me a drink? Yeah. Yeah. Let me, uh, let me pass you one down. Is, are we like, is desktop like meaning a class of software for windows or, or the, or the Mac or the Linux? Is that like a term? that you see going away anytime soon? Or is that now like rolling up your window or uh, tuning your radio? Uh, no, I don't think it's going anywhere uh, You know, until the, until the phone completely supplants the actual computer, which is not happening. I, I, I don't, I mean, the, the level of horsepower we would have to see, you know, I don't, I don't know when that's going to happen. It could not, not in the next, not in the next five years, not that's, in the next five, sure probably not yeah. in the next 10, maybe the next 20. We'll see, um, you know, to the point where you have one device and you like plug it into a dock and you, you work and then you unplug uh, it, there and was, take it with you. I mean, that's possible. Yeah, there have been a couple of concept phones like that. I yeah. forgot what the con- converged OSs, I think is the, t- and there is, it's literally a dock and then you, yeah. I think it's, I mean, you, I can see where, I mean, that that's obvious to anyone who has even a yeah. hint of. I mean, to anyone yeah. in this who's even remotely in this field can sit here for three seconds and think about it. Like I just, you know, and realize not, that that's yeah. yeah. Like eventually, sure, maybe, anytime soon, eh, probably not. But I don't, I don't think yeah. we're there. We're we're not there yet. And you're always going to deal with the form factor that with a desktop, you have more space, which means you can cram more transistors, you can cram more stuff into the physical space. That physical space will always be bigger, quote unquote, than the phone. The phone will always be small, handheld, portable, put it in your pocket. The desktop doesn't have that restriction. So it will always be some size of bigger, which gives, which gives engineers more physical space to work with, which means that it will always be more, uh, there will always be more potential in that larger physical yeah. space than in the smaller space. That's just, I mean, that's just physics. I don't think that's yeah, going to change. But, and, and I have more storage and arguably more compute, both raw and graphics capacity in the phone that's on my desk now than the laptop I went to college with. Yes, but but you have apps and uh, programs that are using that that greater amount of processing capability this is, I mean, th- you're, now you're talking about like video game evolution, you know, like, oh, the new video card comes along. So the people who are building video games, they use. Oh, sure. No, no, I don't. And I didn't mean to get on a whole thing about the hardware itself. I'm talking about the term desktop software. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know what you're saying. Yeah, right, right. Like, so, like yeah, is that, it's is, probably a, is that, is that it's probably a double here. an anachronism or. I don't or, think or, so. But the point, yeah. my point was that I don't think the physical desktop will ever completely disappear because of that space large versus mm-hmm. small reality that is never yeah. that you can't change. You're not going to change that. So I don't think desktop is going anywhere. I think that what you are seeing though, is that we're moving to in a direction where vast majority of daily user productivity, getting stuff done apps um, are mobile first. I, I look first yeah. to my phone to do the mm-hmm. thing as opposed to, on my desktop. So like this wallet, for example, yeah. this is a perfect example. And this is kind of why I asked you the question because I've used the desktop wallets and, and stuff before. I, I, I can do the offline thing and the paper and, and all that kind of stuff. But I like having the mobile app because 
It's on my phone. I can look at it. It's got some, there's usually a, you know, depending on the services that you're talking about, things like um, Authy with authorization codes, it, it has a, a, like a backup. Mm-hmm. So I don't have to worry about losing it. Um, so uh, I, I think, well, there's two things right first. there, right? So I, I, you know, mobile first when, when I, you know, every month I sit down and pay the bills, right? That's on my phone on the couch watching right. some stupid show at 9 p.m., right? That's not on my laptop anymore. Right. And there's a couple of reasons for that. Number one, the apps are there. They let me pay the bills. It's not a problem. It's faster. I can just do it. I have mm-hmm. the phone in my hand already. Number two, when you get to the the 2FA, all of a sudden now some of the apps, it's just a, a face ID scan, mm-hmm. right? Or if it is actually an out-of-band second-factor code scenario, I'm able I'm I'm easily able to switch over to the app, copy it, paste it back in. Or if it's a text message, uh, it'll show me, you know, if it's SMS for the, you know, which is not as secure, but if it's SMS, it comes right up above the keyboard when I'm on I'm on the web page for mm-hmm. authentic, then I could just it says, oh, paste this number from messages. It's like, yes, that's smart. I like that. Um, it's actually more typing and more annoying to do it on on well, the laptop. If I'm doing it I mean, putting putting aside how it actually how they actually deliver the code all those codes get delivered via my phone. You know, I'm using, you know, no, that's my point. I'm that's using exactly my point. They're on the phone. phone. So, so even when I'm on, on the my desktop, phone, I still, need when I'm on the phone, phone, I can copy paste yeah. or just direct insert it with a, with a tap. Whereas if it's, if I'm on the laptop now, I have to look at the phone. I have to type the mm-hmm. number in and it's just a, it's an ergonomic thing. Right. So anyway, I, I do that on, on the phone. Um, because it's, it's just, it's just easy. So I get, you know, what you're saying is true. Like that's, that is the, there are a whole lot of reasons why it's why it is that way. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say there is a hierarchy of so back to the to unwind it back to the point like there's a hierarchy of preference here. Keeping your your um, coin on the exchange is way at the bottom, like mm-hmm. like way at the bottom. You don't want to do that. First of all, not your keys, not your crypto. So you may actually have an IOU. In other words, the exchange may not have actually gone out and bought Bitcoin. Uh, from somebody who was selling when you placed your buy order, right. right? They may have internalized that and just credited your account, which means they took your money and didn't give you anything for it. And you would think in a normal market dynamic where there's buy pressure and sell pressure, if you go out and buy a Bitcoin, uh, that should positively impact the market price of Bitcoin. But when mm-hmm. these exchanges, when these broker dealers, and I will use that term from here on because I think it's more correct, internalize your order like that, it doesn't affect the price. Right. right. So there's naturally uh, there are biases and, and problems. So keeping and, and besides the risk that an FTX or a Binance or a Celsius or a Mt. Gox or a Coinbase can go belly up and you lose everything, that's not a good idea to keep them on the exchange. You need the broker dealer to buy them, but then extract them out into another wallet. So what's the other wallet? Could be phone, could be desktop. To be honest, I don't care. The next level up from keeping it on the exchange is keeping it in a wallet. Um and see, I even said I was going to continue to call them broker dealers because mm-hmm. that's more correct. And I keep falling back to exchange. Their marketing, the marketing is strong with this one. Well, you are exchanging and, dollar fiat for fintech. Yeah, so. yeah. But 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 if you compare them to the actual like equity market, like the Fis- Nasdaq, yeah, they yeah. are actually a broker dealer yeah. in, in that. Um, so anyway, keep them on a broker dealer. That's your lowest level. That's the worst thing you could do. Um, next up from that is going to be to keep those coin in a in a hot wallet, right? So on your phone or desktop, doesn't really matter, um, but where you have immediate access to them and you can, you know, send them, receive them, exchange them uh, without any fanfare. That's a lot better than the exchange. 
than the broker dealer. And here's why you actually control them. You know that you have them. It's not just a your record wallet. in a database. It's not attached to, it's yes, not attached to their exchange. That's your keys. So it is actually your crypto. And so you have all the control. Uh, you're, you're safe from a broker dealer going belly up or imploding like FTX did. Um, and so that's great. That is a really healthy step in the right direction. The problem is there's lots of malware in the world. And the, the primary problem with keeping those in a hot wallet on a mobile or on a desktop computer, there are really two things. First of all, if that machine blows up, do you have backups? That's a separate story. We'll talk about that in a second. Um, so if you throw your phone in a lake, you don't lose everything. Um, the second thing, though, is malware because there is a whole host of malware specifically crafted to steal cryptocurrency from hot wallets. Um, and... It it's gets the money really is. advanced really quick. Yeah, it's easy money. I, literally, what your wallet is, I said your wallet is the private key that has authority to sign transactions out of your address. By definition, mathematically speaking, practically and metaphysically, your keys are authorization to withdraw from your account, which means anybody that gets a copy of your keys mathematically and metaphysically has authority to move money out of your account and there's no mommy to go cry to. So the threat with the problem with keeping everything in a hot wallet is exactly that. It's malware can suck those things out um, silently, right? So, so there's, there's, there's a, a high threat vector there because it is very easy money. Um, as one of the most profit, I mean, if you're a malware offer, it's one of the most profitable things that you can build as something to steal crypto. And, and, and you know, the way they work is different, but that's generally the threat vector. So uh, most of the folks that, that use crypto have a hot wallet, but that's not their savings account. If you want to think of it like a checking in a savings, mm -hmm. your, your checking account, uh, and I'm even dating myself there, that's going to be where you want the hot wallet, right? So that's some small marginal fund where you have just enough to do whatever it is you want to do on a da daily basis. Um, uh, God tier is what, what is called a cold wallet or offline storage. So that's where you, you use a wallet, you generate a set of keys, you put your funds in that, and then you delete those keys from the device that created the wallet. In other words, mm -hmm. that wallet doesn't actually exist. Those keys do not actually physically exist on storage or in memory on that device anymore. You rim raft the, the, the file, right? It's gone. Um, and so what that does is you'll get a QR code or you'll get a seed phrase that's 12 or 25 letter uh, words or whatever, however you want to do it. Um, You'll get a seed phrase that you will print out or write down or something uh, that you put in a safe deposit box or somewhere super secret in your backyard or whatever the case is. When you want to spend the funds in that account, it's going to require you to go to install a wallet app to Turn restore it into from wallet. your seed phrase. Yeah. Now you have the keys live that you can spend out of that wallet. And so this is considered this sort of like state of the art, like this is the safest way to do it. Now the ultimate like, tinfoil galaxy brain move is to to do all of this on a on a fresh air gapped machine from best buy and never use it for anything before <laughs> or after and you know the whole thing but yeah but but if you've got your keys if you've if you've got your crypto off the exchange to a to a hot wallet um you you back up that seed for us and i would test this right test this a couple of times yeah. with a couple of different wallets make sure deposits. you're because these these blockchain projects they do they do fork from time to time. You want to make sure you're in the right spot there. Um, get it off the exchange, 
test the cold wallet, test restoring from the cold wallet a couple of times to make sure you're really comfortable with it. Um, and then you can move your funds into that, delete the keys. Um, and then keep in mind, again, uh, this is cryptography, right? If you lose the keys, you lose everything. That is that is the mm-hmm. risk. So the risk of keeping your money on the exchange is A, you got an IOU and your transactions don't impact price discovery. And B, you're depending on a third party in, in a peer-to-peer environment. So if they go down, you're out your money, period. Right. The risk of your keys, your crypto, of course, is that if something happens to your keys, if you lose those, again, there's no mommy to go cry to. So it's not... You're not saying I'm going from something risky to something not risky. There's You're always saying, risk. There's I am moving risk. the risk yeah. to a different profile. And so you've got to be very aware of that going into it. It's a different kind uh, of risk. It's your fault. Yeah, versus, exactly. You know, exactly. You losing the keys versus the mm-hmm. um, the um, uh, brokers going belly up. Yeah. So. Um, and then and then the last thing I'll say on the subject is you have multi-sig wallets and uh, split keys. So a common strategy would be to say, okay, yeah, I'm going to do this whole cold storage thing. Chris, you're right. That sounds right for me. Uh, I have enough. I have enough assets in my crypto wallets. And um, again, continuing to skeuomorphism. Um, and I like the risk profile of owning my keys better than keeping it with an exchange. I'm going to do this. Uh, I'm going to keep a th- my seed phrase. I'm going to keep a third of it in my safe in the basement, and I'm going to keep a third of that seed phrase at the bank at a safe deposit box, <laughs> and I'm going to keep a third of my seed yeah. phrases uh, at my parents' house in their attic. And so then, with any two of those, I have the full seed phrase list, and I can combine those two and restore the keys and, and get access mm-hmm. to the funds, but just getting one of them or losing one of them doesn't do anything. You have to have at least two of the three or three of the five or whatever the, which um, is, so there are strategies like that, uh, yeah. which is actually, if you want the recommendation, the recommendation is that, um, because it prevents geographic, it gives you geographic fault tolerance, right? If my house burns down, I go to my parents' attic and then I go to the bank and I have enough to recover my wallet. If somebody mm-hmm. breaks into my parents' house, they get the one third out of the seat. They would have to get into my house and the or the bank right. to get the other right. And so the two of three, three of five, that becomes a really attractive option. Um, also works into wills. So if you've got enough that you're thinking generationally, um, you know, you give you give a third to the bank and a third to your lawyer and a third to your spouse or something. And so then, in the event of your, um, in your oh, case, very hmm. timely demise, um, <laughs> then you have all of the authority that's required to then invoke and coordinate the parties to get the information. Um, so that's, those are those are the things that I think about as sort of like kind of state of the art in terms of key management. Okay. So what app on your phone or on your desktop do you use when you are hot walleting? I don't know if that's a verb or not, but I'm, I'm going with it. What, do you, um, li- what do you like? I have the Coinbase wallet. I have Blue Wallet. I have Loop Ring Wallet. I have um, oh boy, Kraken, Bitfinex, and Coinbase Exchange apps. <laughs> yes, this is very. Yeah, my, keep uh, also, uh, Blue. I think at the moment uh, I like Blue Wallet the most. Blue um, Wallet. Okay, who makes Blue Wallet? Uh, I don't know what the name of the operation is about because what i what i think what i think i want to do here is while we're blue while, wallet i think is open source i don't know who publishes it though radically simple at bluewallet.io is that them yeah yeah okay. blue wallet's pretty good and that supports lightning and and some other stuff that's 
Okay. That's cool too. All right. So what I, what I I have an idea and this might be fun for, for other audience members because um, I have done, I've done the cold wallet thing. I've tested it, but I haven't kept up with it. I have, Mm -hmm. I've just, but because honestly, part of me is just freaking lazy. Like I, I just, I buy it mm. in the Coinbase and then I just, I hear that. And it's just, I hear that. I don't want to deal with this. I just don't yep. want to have to, I got to hook it up. And I got to, this is a I pain hear in that. the ass. It's a pain in the ass. So that's why I asked you which one you like. Cause I know you're pretty regular uh, with your purchasing of the, of the crypto. And then obviously you keep it all offline. So you deal with this on a pretty regular basis. So uh, what I thought might be fun here is to just walk through on the phone. Obviously we don't have any video, but I don't know if we necessarily need, we can just sort of talk through it. Um, you talking me, guiding me through because I have a Coinbase account and I'm signing up for this. Oh, this is going to make great radio. I think it could. I think we can make this work. We can make this work. So, by the way, one of the nice things about about the cold wallet solution is you can save a receiving address uh, for the wallet, so you can send funds into a cold wallet without having to rehydrate it. uh So you say, okay. I'm going to I'm going to DCA on Coinbase 10 bucks a week, right? And then mm-hmm. every month or every quarter I'm going to send do a send from that to my cold wallet. You don't actually have to rehydrate the thing in order to send to it because again the keys the keys are the private keys that have authorization to create other addresses but but to move money out of the account you can still send into it again because the can, ledger, the wallet it, doesn't hold anything, right? The, the the blockchain is the ledger. You can make it, yep. yeah. You can make it input so you can read it, but it, but it, without right. those other keys, you won't be able to send the money anywhere. So even if your device gets compromised, there's no way for the device to actually send yeah. anything. Okay, got it. Yeah. All right, so I've 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 downloaded Blue Wall here, and I'm going to open up Coinbase in the background here. So because I know I'm going to need to do some crap over there too. So let's just get that going because I got to go through layers of authentication. Oh, I must've done this recently. I'm in. <laughs> nice. Okay. So, uh, I'm looking at fresh blue wallet. Uh, it pulled up and it just says wallets. There's no wallets. Add a wallet. Uh, okay. Oh. So I'm going to add a wallet. And now I have Bitcoin and Ethereum primarily. Can I do a single wallet? Actually, no. let me see you. Okay. So I need separate wallets for separate currencies. So these are these are different um, these are different blockchains. So they are different different wallets. Okay. All right. So I'm going to go with. Uh, okay. So I'm going to create a wallet. And, this- and even even if you could use the same seed phrase to generate private key material that was compatible with both blockchains, that would probably be very bad practice and an anti pattern. Mm-hmm. Same reason you don't share passwords across two sites. You know what I mean. Mm-hmm. All right. It says my wallet's been created and it wants me to write down the mnemonic phrase, which is a bunch of words that allows you to be 12 or 25 words. Yeah, this yep. one's 12. Now, do I have to, you've used this before. Do I need to write it down right now or can I just, you can export that later. You I can, can export you can it bring later. that okay. back up later. All right, I'm yeah. just going to say, okay, because there's nothing in it right mm-hmm. now. So I'm not really worried about it. And even when I do put something in, it's going to be okay. So Bitcoin. All right. All right. So transactions. All right. So it exists. Now what? What should I do? Receive? Let's see. Here. So now, yeah, you would do receive and it'll show you a QR code and an address in like a hex, like a hexadecimal. Yep. Okay. Would you like to receive? Uh, yes. Okay. All right. So I've got now, what my- you could also do. Uh, you should. So if you go to. 
receive. So it should show you a QR code. It I don't does. Know Coinbase, uh, I don't know if the Coinbase website um, might be able to use your camera to scan the I think QR so. code so you don't yeah. have to. Yeah. Let's take a look. All right. So, so if you go in there and hit send. Yeah, I got to find the navigation. I will say this for Coinbase. Uh, really easy to buy stuff. Really hard to do pretty much anything else. Oh, my gosh. Dude. Been, their I, interface I, is kind of crap. I am in it just often enough that it's different every time. Yeah. <laughs> and I have, and I, I'm like, wait a minute. How do I, how do I, how do I do this? Right. Exactly. Uh, all right. So API send and receive. Okay. So there's a button up here. I'm going to send and I'm going to send some of my Bitcoin here. I'm waiting for it to come up. I'm going to pay with my Bitcoin and I'm going to, I don't want to send all. Definitely not. Uh, I'm going to send, I don't know, 10 bucks worth. Okay. There we go. Mm, so your fees are, look at your oh. fees when you do that. Make okay. sure your fees don't exceed. Okay. Two. It's, it's got to make sense to send. Yeah. Uh, to mobile email or address. All right. But I don't want to type the address in. Let's see. So what you can do is copy the address out of the app and chat it or email it to yourself yeah. on the computer. Copied, share. Oh, and that, that made that pretty easy. Mm -hmm. <coughs> Excuse me. Now this address, this is public. This is the piece that I could share with you. Like mm -hmm. if I was like, yep. hey, if you're going to pay me money, hey, you know, this is how yep. you pay me. Yeah. This is okay. how you pay me. Yep. Mm -hmm. That's it. So yeah, so this is like I said, this is this is so what Frank is seeing right now. The 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 so the keys were generated, the wallet was generated, mm -hmm. uh, and now it's got. Uh, he's looking at a QR code, which another mobile app could scan, but it's convenient for that. But the computer um, and also an address. It's like this long hexadecimal string, which represents his wallet address on the blockchain, the actual account number, basically. Mm -hmm. um, and so he's going to send that to himself on his on his desktop, uh, so that he can paste that into Coinbase where it says, where are you sending this this BTC to? Got it. Um, so I got that address. So I'm going to post that in here, pay with Bitcoin to this address, and I'm going to give it a note. I don't know if a note, it, it, are notes actually attached to the to the blockchain or is this a Coinbase specific thing? Uh, it can be. I don't know whether Coinbase does it or not. It's probably just for the, uh, for the Coinbase okay. records. To but, but, network fee is going to be 49 cents. So I'm paying well, um mm -hmm. I'm paying a little bit to send it. Okay. Which is something to that's, keep in mind. You pay not just that's for the a 5%. Value, but, that's 5% fee, right? Yeah. That's, you know. Yeah, that's that's not nothing. That's that's not nothing. So I'm going to send this now. Which is part of why you don't move your fund, you know, if you're you don't move if you're around putting 10 much. bucks in a week, you don't move your cold every week. Um, right, you wait because, until. Yeah. Yeah. I assume there's like a max or something like that. No. No. Oh. Okay. You can you can play with the fee, right? The fee is what the fee is the is so out of out of the 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 address where those bitcoin are now. Uh on the blockchain there will be once you complete this process there will be a transaction. That address will be an input and it holds $10 worth of bitcoin whatever that is. Um mm -hmm. and it will have at least two outputs. So one will be the wallet you're sending it to, the one you just created. Mhm. Mm um Another will be whatever that fee is going to the address of the mining node that first created the block with the transaction in it. So this is how the miners, this is one of the two ways the miners make money. When they include transactions in a block, they add themselves 
as an output of those inputs with whatever that fee is accumulated across all of the transactions that they included. Um, so there's an incentive for the miners um, to to have more transactions in a block, right? Because if they are rewarded with the block, then the more the more transactions and the more amount in each transaction that they process, the higher the fees that they collect. Mm-hmm. Um, and eventually, the, the the design of the system is that eventually, um, you know, they also get from magic new Bitcoin for creating the block that they assign to themselves. Um, eventually, that halves every four years to the point where um, the fees that they collect would are worth more than the block reward. Um, but that's like in the future. Right. All right. So it sent the Bitcoin. It says that um, Coinbase is telling me it's going to take about 30 minutes. Yeah. So here's through, the, so. And, and here's the sweaty palms part, right? So now you lost control, right? So mm-hmm. you have to wait. And so the way the Bitcoin blockchains and all the blockchains work differently, but the way the Bitcoin works um, is a new block is minted about every 10 minutes. So your transaction was added to the mempool. You Coinbase broadcast this transaction to the whole network and said, hey, this address wants to send this amount to that address. And that's now in the mempool. It's in the queue, basically. And miners are now working on, hey, if I include that transaction in this next block that I'm working on, can I make it work in time, right? And so um, it's going to take a few minutes, up, up to 10 minutes before the next block is is created. And your transaction is not guaranteed to be part of that. And then even once it is included in a block, yeah, everybody else can validate it. Um, but now any most software is going to require a couple of what are called confirmations before they consider that transaction conf- uh, uh, solidified, right, real, before they, they consider right. it trusted. Um, and that is the number of additional blocks that have to be built on top of that one in order for everybody to feel comfortable that, yeah, some other chain is not going to get priority. Because the way that this works is the blockchain is constantly forking itself, but the network is agreeing on which chain of which longest chain of transactions is the one. And usually it's the longest one is the one. Um, so there's always an outside chance that um, some other side chain could come along and and become reality. Um, but usually after a depth of three to six, uh, it's pretty pretty a, confirmed. A depth of three to six what? Blocks. Uh, which means if a block is every 10 minutes, 30 to 60 minutes before. And that is, of course, right. again, include assuming that your transaction uh, is included in the next block or, you know, to be minted. Um, so once it is actually put in a block, um, then you will see number of confirmations, meaning number of additional blocks on top of that. Um, and the more, the, the more, the better, the more, the more confident you can be. Gotcha. Uh, but even in Coinbase, uh, cause I did it a couple of weeks ago, I happen to know that once you get that, they will show you a link that says, Hey, uh, will be available in 30 minutes. Uh, click here to see the status. That'll take you over to block explorer. I think, um, where you can actually look at um, whether that's been included in a block and what all the inputs and outputs are, and you can nerd out um, if you're curious about some of the Bitcoin internals. Um, and Ethereum uh, doesn't work the same way anymore, but essentially it's kind of a similar process. You create a wallet, it's got a phrase, um, you go you know, you know, go to Coinbase, say, I want to send this, and boom, it's there. Um, Ethereum's a little quicker, so you won't have to wait 30 or 60 minutes before you know the coin is where it's supposed to be. Um, but uh, same same general process. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I do see um, the, I see a transaction as pending has popped up mm-hmm. on the blue wallet. Um, and so, and it is the, um, it is the right time. So 
uh, the right amount. Excuse me. So we'll we'll see what happens here. Um, yep. So I'm going to go back now and I'm going to create another wallet. Um, now they've got Blue Wallet has three options here. I see Bitcoin, Lightning, and Vault. So I don't. I want to use Ethereum. I, I have Ethereum in Coinbase as well, so I need a wallet for my Ethereum. So, so does Blue Blue Wallet? I think it's just is just Bitcoin. Okay. I don't think. Yeah, yeah. Blue Wallet won't do won't do ETH. Okay. Um, the Coinbase wallet is is not so bad. Okay. Um, What's that called? Is it called Coinbase Wallet? Coinbase Wallet. Yeah. Okay. Actually, on iOS, the name of the app is just Wallet. Um, but yeah, it's the Coinbase wallet. All right. Well, I'm, uh, I use a, um, I use an Android, like a real man. So, uh, I'll find oh, is out that what it actually? That's the way we're gonna play mm-hmm. it. Okay. Yep. That's fine. Yep. That's the way we're gonna play this. No, it's fine. It's fine. I, I like to make my own decisions. I, I don't I can, need some super conglomerate to make all the decisions about yeah. the device in front of me. So. Right. Right. You'd rather be gently nudged by the world's largest surveillance capitalism machine into what you should buy <laughs> and how you should think. No, that makes sense. That's fine. That's fine. <laughs> That is the third saddest thing I've heard. All right. So Coinbase wallet. Oh, I actually already have it. So I'm going to create a new wallet. Um, and a similar similar workflow there. Mm-hmm. Um, and Coinbase wallet, I happen to know, you can skip the write down my seed phrase. Obviously, that is egregiously um, yeah, don't not skip recommended. Right de- yeah, you need because that. Because we're saying this, like we're saying, hey, this is what you should do, knowing that we don't do this because we're too friggin' lazy. Um, the, the risk is you won't actually write that down and something happens to your phone. And then, you know, so... Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and by the way, I would not, uh, I would not keep that seed phrase. Uh, I I use uh, things like LastPass or Bitwarden and so forth. Um, you think, oh well, I have, uh, I have, I use Coinbase to buy my buy my crypto, and I use the Coinbase wallet as my main wallet app. And so I'm just going to keep my seed phrases in a secure note on LastPass or Bitwarden. Um, no, don't do that. That's still online, right? That still keeps your keys. It still keeps your seed phrases online or hot, uh, and there's malware that looks for it. So don't don't put those there. Here, put them here. in a notebook, and you know. So uh, the Coinbase wallet, I'm setting it up, and it wanted me. It's creating the wallet, and it wanted me to save the seed phrase, and then and it forces you to put it in. No, actually, to verify. Uh, it hasn't done that yet. But what it actually mm-hmm. did was it very conveniently allowed me to authorize to my Google Drive account so that it'll just drop the seed phrase into a document on Google Drive. On Google Drive? <laughs> Are you kidding me? Super secure. Oh. Super secure. I actually, Yikes. I actually did it just because, the, again, there's nothing there. So I'm, I mean, I'm, yeah, I'm yeah, totally fine with, with this. I'm, 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 um, that is disgusting, though. My Coinbase Whoa. wallet Whoa. backups. Let's see. Last modified. Whoa. Yeah, there's nothing there yet. I don't know why. Oh, speak of epic fails, we got uh, feedback from uh, listener Scott. Mm. Um, he was the one. He was the the kind hearted gentleman uh, who called me out a couple of weeks ago that my chris.tonkinson.com redirect uh, TLS cert was broken. Mm-hmm. He very lovingly followed up and said, "Yo, jackasses, refactor.works TLS cert is now expired as well." Um, so thank you, Scott. Actually appreciate the hell out of you. So uh, all of that has been fixed now. Um, and because this is refactored, <laughs> we try to suck a little less every day. What we've actually done, we have uh, all uh, CICD pipelines for everything. Everything for our site from the ground up is is all the, the 
the Terraform, the Docker containers, config management, the Hugo site, everything is automated soup to nuts. Um, turns out uh, Let's Encrypt was actually running to regenerate the cert for refactor.work. However, the Docker container didn't get restarted and so didn't switch over to using the new key ah. or the new cert. Um, and so what I did is I put in a, I think I set it for monthly just to automatically rerun the CD pipeline for the Docker layer, um, just rerun the CD pipeline on master once a month to, mm -hmm. to catch or once a week or whatever it is. Um, so that, uh, so it actually kicks Docker over, uh, which is not the most efficient way to do it, but it was the quickest um, to make sure that I don't get embarrassed again. Uh, so thank you. Thank you, Scott. Appreciate you. Yeah. Way to go. Thank you for fixing our broken stuff since Chris was obviously it's too busy to do so himself. It takes a village. It yeah, takes a village yeah, okay. to, to run a podcast as, as with as far reach as, as refactored. <laughs> now here's something I don't like. So, so Coinbase is, it's having me, I'm not sure how I feel about this because it's asking me to create a username and create a password for the wallet, which I mean, doesn't really matter because those things like you know the why keys, would it need a username and a password, password to create your wallet? Got, that doesn't right. make any sense. But it, but it wants what well, it's a unified Coinbase wallet account, and then your wallets will live underneath of it is what it wants. Which I get. Okay, I mean I understand that, but um, I yeah, that's sus. You know, hold on that's a second. This is not the first time I've seen this. So apps that require you to create an account and create a password from the mobile device. Ah, uh, I really, this is one place where I, I, if I'm creating an account, I want to do it on a desktop because I have more control over generating it, saving it, you know, copy pasting it. So I'm going to, you know, it wants me to enter a password. It's obviously, I'm going to pick a good one, which means I'm opening up, um, last pass and I have to generate a password and mm -hmm. then I've got to save that somewhere. Um, so it, it, it kind, kind of annoying, kind of annoying. Um, so now, and now I've got to paste that somewhere else so that I've got it. <clears throat> and then, you know, so this is one area where I think mobile apps, if you're entering a password, I feel like they should, do the account confirmation via email and then, you know, let you know, Hey, we're going to confirm this and you're going to create a password. That way, you know, Oh, you could do it via, um, uh, your desktop, click the link from your desktop, pulls it up. You can type the password in there, save it however you want mm -hmm. versus doing it on mobile is because when this I is pick, one thing that's I pick huge. good passwords and typing them in on a mobile. Oh my gosh. But, uh, so first of all, use a password manager, then you don't ever have to type in mobile. So yeah. that's the first I mean, that's mark what I'm against doing. you. Dumb, dumb. Yeah. You, I mean, I'm doing dumb. that, but I still have to say, like, I need to dumb, save dumb. it. You know, continue with what you uh, were saying something big, that wasn't an insult. Go ahead. Uh, no, no, I don't think I was. <laughs> <laughs> Such a um, no, the place where the place where that hits home the hardest is on the, on TV. So the, the streaming apps, um, that now I think most of them are at a place where if you want to sign into a streaming app on your TV, it says either go to this sign up link and enter this pin code, right? So that it's not a pain. So you can actually use a password manager from your mobile device to put in your actual password for Netflix or Plex or whatever. Um, and then once you're in there, uh, you put in, you know, like a four digit code on your, on the TV. So you don't have to type the whole password in. Um, mm-hmm. 
that's the big uh, that's the big win for me in in recent years is to see the shift to that um, that sort of uh, out of band auth channel because putting a password in on the Putting it on your phone is one thing. Putting it in on a TV is an entirely different level of pain. Unless you, oh my you gosh, run, oh they're you awful. ran like a they're you awful. ran like a remote control with like a full QWERTY keyboard on it. Do you still? I, I still um, it's still around you here. Still yes, I still. Ha- I don't use it uh, routinely because everything I do now interfaces through a Roku, and so yep. I just use the Roku, and mm-hmm. I have to. I enter, <laughs> I enter passwords the same way I used to enter passwords into nes games back in the day uh, yeah or, or yep. like usernames yep. where like they present the keyboard on the screen and you're using the little the, the game pad yeah. like everybody's doing it now the way that yep. i used to do it when i was five it's a it's a homecoming <laughs> it's so ridiculous yeah. <laughs> all right so so here's okay so i have uh let's see here i uh, let's see addresses. Okay, so it says I have an Ethereum address, a Solana address. Let's see here. Okay, so I've got these addresses, but it looks like uh, bah, 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 bah. the Coinbase app is able to hold uh, a, a bevy of different. Yeah, um, which means it's got a layer on top of it, which I don't necessarily no. No, it's not. It just means it can hold more than one different kind of asset, right? So different, oh. different chains, different, um, because the different blockchains, a lot of them are are kind of the same under the hood. Mm-hmm. Um, but like the way that the the way that the wallets are generated, um, they may use different parameters for different blockchains, right? Um, and it. then the phone, the app has to have the ability to interoperate with those blockchains, or more likely, send a request identifying the nature of the transaction to Coinbase's server so that they can. Uh, make the request to the live network. I don't know how they do it. That may be why they require username and password um, because they are actually doing all of the work on their back end. Um, I'm not sure. So this uh, has a single, so this has a single, this Coinbase wallet has a single privacy phrase, but I have multiple public addresses. I have Ethereum. Coinbase has Ethereum, Solana, Bitcoin, Dogecoin, and Litecoin. And so yeah, I don't that know why wallet with that single set of phrases works for all of those exchanges. So maybe they are maybe maybe I'm wrong. Maybe they did it the way I described where where they have like they look at the overlap in seed phrase mechanics and they use the same one to generate all of them mm. so that you can recover any of them. I, I would be curious to go to a third party app for let's say BTC one for Solana mm-hmm. and then try to recover from that seed phrase and see if you saw the same balance. Mm-hmm. Um, once you, once you had an identifiable balance in each of those, just a, I, that would be my curiosity. I, okay. To me, that's, that's max of an anti-pattern. Yeah. Um, I'm a little, to have one seed phrase for multiple blockchain uh, addresses, but I, I, what do I know? Yeah. So, so I, I mean, really what, what I'm hearing is like, I've got, I've got assets spread across a number of, uh, different cryptos i've got ethereum bitcoin and if you if you have even just dust if you have them in your coinbase account i wouldn't be surprised if if those are showing up in your wallet your coinbase wallet app knowing that it had you authenticate to coinbase's server so it knows what to show you it seems kind of creepy for for a wallet an offline wallet it seems a little creepy uh no it's a separate no, no 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 let me be clear this is a separate username and password from my coinbase account from my coinbase uh, brokerage. Okay. 
Um, they had me put in a username, create a username and a password just to identify myself. It's also a name that you can give out to others. Like they actually have a, um, they have a wallet ID that you can, a URL that you can hand mm-hmm. out to people and it will come up with a, basically a payment Oh, so they're page. running, so they're running a name resolution service where they yeah. translate your human readable name into an address into for the appropriate token. Mm-hmm. I got yeah. you. I got you. Um, and it looks eh, like- Okay. Okay. It's a service, Frank. This is what the financial industry does. They 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 offer services for your benefit, <laughs> not so that they can get more analytics data and extract fees from you. But yeah, it's yeah. It's, to help you, the poor, <laughs> dumb, stupid consumer. <laughs> I hate. I hate the finance industry. I love personal <laughs> finance and I love learning about how the markets work. And I also hate them with a passion. There is so much fraud and nonsense that goes on. It's just bilking people that, that through no fault of their own. They're told by somebody that sounds smart that they were told they could trust to do something that benefits that individual and nobody else. It's infuriating to me. Our whole national economy is built on fraud at this point. It's very disconcerting (laughs) r slash super stunk so um so yeah so that that is my uh to bring this back around that is that is my advice um you do not want to leave your crypto on the exchanges um mount gox tells you why celsius tells you why uh, three hours capital for crying out loud tells you why ftx tells you why blockfi tells you why do not keep your coin on the exchange get them off onto a onto a wallet that you control your keys your crypto um and then uh, uh smart smart money would then keep that um you know your your non-operational funds right the stuff that you don't need to trade every day don't be a day trader um the stuff you want to hodl keep that in a cold wallet um and then galaxy brain is to is to do a multi-sig or split that seed phrase up um and do an n of m type arrangement um to get yourself some additional um resiliency and and protection Mm -hmm. yeah from single points of failure um and you know, watch yourselves because there's a lot of scams. Uh, by the way, so so, many so Frank, you sent me you sent me a video. Um, I thought we would get to this five minutes in. Here we are, almost an hour deep. Um, you sent me a link to a video. We'll put this in the show notes. This guy does a, I will say, legendary and epic takedown of like all of the crypto sphere. The whole thing. Uh, I forgot his. I forgot his name. The video is called "Line Goes Up." He has a scathing critique of the crypto industry writ large, um, and I think it's maybe six months or a year old. Um, uh, yeah, it's it is ten months old. Soup. It is ridiculous. Now, I first of all, I like his style. Um, even for me, I've been I've been in crypto since twenty. I want to say early twenty twelve. Okay. Um, and I also know a thing or two about the public equity markets and how the traditional, like the TradFi system works. And I'm in software every day. And I had to pause and rewind a couple of times because the yeah. guy is just a, I mean, I, I've gotten through about an hour 45. I think it's a two hour video. It's, um, yeah. I, I didn't have the time to commit to it all in one shot. I had to break it up. And there were times where I had to go back and listen to something again. Cause I'm like, wait a minute. What did like, I, it took me a minute to process. Um, so if that's you, don't don't feel bad. Uh, but he offers at the at the beginning of it. One of the things I found most interesting is he sets all of this up by explaining how 08 went down. Um, 
So if you if it, it the whole thing is gold, then yeah. and, and I think he nails almost every single point along the way. There was there was very little in this video that I disagreed with. Really? Because um, he's super bearish on crypto generally. He, I mean, he very clearly in the video. Um, I was gonna I was gonna plug this at the end mm-hmm. because it, it dovetails. No, I highly it's like a count, it's watching. like a counterbalance to everything we just said. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, we just talked about yeah. like you know wallets and how you you know investing and where to store and all that kind of stuff. Okay, now before you do any of this, watch this guy and make sure that you understand what you're getting into and know that it's that it is very much a wild west. Um, the uh, he's called so uh, so groups, yeah, group is called Folding Ideas. Uh, mm-hmm. He has an amazing YouTube channel, just YouTube folding <laughs> ideas. The guy's yeah. name is Dan Olson. Uh, Dan Olson. That's what he it was. is based in Alberta, and he's uh, he he produces documentaries. That's what he does. The and guy knows what's up. There, I, like full stop. He the guy, does his and research, and I love the he dry humor. Yeah. It's fen- it's a phenomenal. It is super dense and fast paced, but it is a phenomenal evisceration of everything that's happening right now. Yeah, um, it's truly wonderful to behold. Um, but he you- and I disagree on where the technology. So so what he does in this video, what what I agreed with in this video, because for me, what this video is is one simple thing. Almost everything that's happening right now is in bad faith and it's fraudulent, and that is absolutely true. Right. There is no like everything with NFTs, everything he sets up. I mean, I mean, and he starts back in 08 and explains exactly how the financial crisis happened. And it's spot. It's wonderful. It's wonderful to watch and listen to Um, his his evisceration of everything. Crypto really focuses on and hones in on the NFT craze and like the board eight yacht club and that sort of nonsense, crypto punks and all of our uh, cypher punks. Um, it's, it's good analysis. It's, it's pithy. Um, the problem is, and, and I don't want to say the problem he's, he's right in what he says. Uh, and, and if his, and I don't know what his intentions are, if his intentions are like, Hey, uh, crypto may have some good parts, but like, all of this happening right now is terrible. He and, he and I agree completely. If what he's doing is suggesting that, uh, and maybe I'm misinterpreting, if what he's doing is suggesting that because everything is happening right now is fraudulent nonsense and noise, that there can never be signal to the noise, that's where he and I would depart. And again, maybe he gets to that in like the last chapter. I'm like, an hour 45, almost two hours deep. So I'm almost done. I got to watch the whole thing. Um, but, uh, but again, I'm, I'm almost two hours deep and, and like, I'm nodding along with the whole thing, man. I'm like, yep, 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 yep. Um, where he and I fall down, there's, there's a part that he has about sort of like the core philosophy of, of Bitcoin, Ethereum, and a bunch of knock. He does this awesome thing where he's like, oh, and, you know, he'll just be talking. And then he's like, oh, yeah, because, um, you snark. know, that's, that's, yeah. it's, it's complete Super snark. snark. Where he'll yeah, be he like, drops it right in very dry, very dry. No, or sometimes when it's, when it's like, he's really forward about it, where he's like, Oh yeah, that's fine if you're color brown because colorblind because you know there aren't really any colors. I mean, if you if you accept purple, then there's blue and red and pink and green and gray. And he goes on for like a full minute just listing all of the exchanges yeah, that have lists, failed or tokens yeah. that are fraudulent or whatever the thing. Yeah, it is. It is really Tons a well done video. Yeah. It is really a well done video. Yeah, but I'm 
again, I'm I'm waiting for that that at the end there's got to be a summation, and I wonder if he's I wonder if there's. I, 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 I'm just, I'm curious how it ends. T- let's take it as a do out. We'll bring this up next week because yeah. the, the video itself requires, I think deserves more airtime because he, the, the meat in the middle is all focused on NFTs, which you and I agree. Total scam. I've written, uh, I did a pod, uh, a blog post about this a little while ago where uh, I talked about NFTs as they currently exist. The technology is, you know, could be useful. Everything that's going on with it right now, total scam. It's complete crap, and nobody should be buying any of that garbage. Um, but it could be useful eventually. But he, and and he deconstructs all of that. But he starts from a premise of Bitcoin cryptocurrency itself is a problem, not a solution. I, I, I so I I think that watch the whole thing. I'd really like to see. I'd really like to hear from you where you. Um, diverge from him because I'm kind of surprised right now. You're doing a lot of head nodding, and yeah, I, I mean, I get yeah. that. You and I have talked about NFTs; yeah. they're complete crap. And one of his core arguments, for example, is that is that the 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 blockchain distributed ledger technology seeks to solve problems that TradFi doesn't have, and introduces problems that yes. TradFi solves for. Right? That's Correct. one of his complaints. Um, yes and no. Yes and no. Um, again, if, if you look at the technology as purely a financial instrument, and it and it was called digital money, digital currency. So that's not that's not like an invalid position to take. But if you look at blockchain as a class of technology as purely an instrument for financial speculation, then yes, he and I agree. We see eye to eye, lockstep. Um, where and again, I'm curious if there's any any anything to this in the in the last part of the video. What we can talk about it next week. Um, if he resolves that with, oh yeah, but blockchain technology is not just about financial speculation. That's where I think he and I could reconcile. Um, I based on where this is going, I don't think that's going to happen. I don't think you're going to um, reconcile, which means you need so, to, you're going to need to counterbalance his. But this is but this is not a video. Uh, and again, I'm only I, I don't care how he ends it. Uh watch it. And and this is yeah. not one by yeah. the way that you can kind of like glance at while you're emailing somebody no, or, no, or watch attention. watch with one earbud in while you're waking dinner and dealing with a toddler like you you need dedicated attention for this and I highly recommend everybody watch it um cuz it really is great content. Um but yeah, I'll I'll finish I'll be sure to finish that up in the next week and we can maybe maybe chat about it. Yeah, next week. I, I want to hear cuz cuz um, you you great were, fine so yeah. far. Oh, well, well thank you very much, you know. That's that's kind of what I'm what I'm here for. Um, you, yeah, you two are 100% going to disagree. So it's incumbent yeah. on you to actually pull out the, um, the piece. I got to finish it. Yeah. There's another half then, an hour left or so that I have to finish. Yeah. And he, and he pretty much, he goes back to the, mm-hmm. like, like any good storyteller, he brings goes it back, back to, to the, the beginning yeah. and, yeah. and wraps it all up and basically burns the whole thing down. That's <laughs> what he does. So, yeah, um, I, I'm I'm really interested in in finishing out. Like I said, I recommend everybody watch it um, with some dedicated attention. So if you, I mean, if you've seen it already, uh, feel free to uh, send us an email. Feedback at refactor.work. You can tell us our TLS certs are broken. Um, make a mockery of us. I, you know, that's fine. That's all fair. Uh, re- feedback at refactor.work or even voice record on your phone and email that to us. We'll play it on the show. Um, at feedback uh, at, at refactored.work. I'm really botching this. Uh, this it's okay. Here. It's okay. The, the loop here on the end, you've got eight minutes. Okay. So this right. can, this and the music- audience is 
this, the audience has come to expect a certain caliber right, of bed, performance from this us. This bed will yeah. play for you. Have six minutes and fifty six seconds left to continue awesome. to flub it before I have to awesome. It. So let's go. Awesome. Before you pull out the shepherd's mm-hmm. crook. Yeah. yeah so refactor.work, you can go. The, the website is operational at this moment. Um, <laughs> as back episodes, archive, show notes, book recommendations. Links know, to YouTube videos like our, links like to our YouTube new, videos like this one. Yeah, like absolutely. Our, like our new buddy, uh, Dan here. Dan Olson. Um, Frank's got some writings online and he's even got his own uh, critique of NFTs at hotcoalskohls.com and uh, my site tonkinson.com works again as well and I've got some thoughts there. This has been episode 90 of the Refactored Podcast recorded November 29th, 2022. Thanks, Frank. See you, buddy.